Welcome to Adoption Now, sharing real stories of the joys and challenges of adoption. Now here's the host of Adoption Now, April Fallon. Hi, welcome to Adoption Now, telling your adoption story. I'm your host, April Fallon. Today we have a family from Wisconsin. Jessica and her husband Scott applied to be in the show, and Jessica joins us today. Hi, Jessica. Hello. I'm so glad to have you on the show today. We're so excited to be able to tell our story. How did you hear about us? Um, I found the podcast driving I'm at a longer commute to work, just driving to work. I needed a little bit of reassurance, and we were going through kind of a tough point in our adoption, so I was looking to hear of other people who have gone through what we have and found you guys. That's so great. We love to hear that because that's the whole purpose of the show is to encourage the community and help other people connect to other people's experience. And I always say to other families, if you're interested in telling your story, please reach out to us. We would love to have you on. But one of the ways you can get my attention really fast is send a picture of your family, which you did. <laughs> and it's the cutest picture ever. I'm like, okay, I need to hear the story. These kids are so beautiful. And so we called you and talked a little bit about your journey. And I just can't believe how similar situations are to the next. You know, so many things we connected on and talking things through that were very similar to our story. And so tell us a little bit why you started the adoption process. Sure. So um, I kind of always knew that conceiving a family may be difficult. So just the late bloomer, things didn't work out kind of the way they were supposed to even as a teenager. And so I knew I wanted to be a mom, and that was kind of forefront in my mind at all times. So when I met Scott, even before we were married, I just laid it all out there and said, I want to be a mom, but I don't know how that's going to come about. And it may not be as easy as just, you know, having a baby the normal way. So I, you know, I kind of had a heart for adoption from the get-go, just knowing that that might be in my cards. And I don't know what brought us to it, but after we got married and we tried not for very long to get pregnant, um, kind of on our own, we went into the fertility road and we just headed down that road. And it, it was a lot and it's emotional in a different way. And so I just felt like I took on a lot of that. And so when you're in the fertility process and you're, I was the one taking the medications and it was my body that wasn't, you know, kind of getting the job done. Mm -hmm. So um, I just wanted to, I wanted to be done. And we got pregnant and lost the baby. Um, we had an ectopic pregnancy. Like there was just so much and I was just over it. And Scott felt helpless through the whole process. And so um, we kind of came about it naturally that we knew this is what may happen. And we're at this point in the road where we could keep putting my body through all of this and keep spending money to get pregnant or we could just adopt and at the time, just adopt was really how we thought about it. It was, it was going to be easier, and um, but it, it wasn't. <laughs> right. So how did that start for you? Did you contact an agency? Did you get a home study done right away? Yeah. So we kind of interviewed a couple different agencies. We went online and got, you know, most agencies will send you a packet of information with, this is the process. This is what you need to do. This is what we're offering. This is the cost breakdown. Um, so we got, you know, for weeks we were just getting in um, packets of information. And I should be honest, we were still doing some fertility treatments when we started looking into adoption. Um, and so we really looked hard at 
like what were the ethics behind the agencies. Um, we knew that if we conceived a child naturally, we didn't have a lot of control over things. So um, medical issues and concerns, yeah, I could control my, you know, what I was eating or drinking. I wasn't going to be doing drugs and things like that. But there's so much that's out of your control. And so we chose our agency based on that. They they let you pick, you know, your what you're comfortable as far as race and the extensiveness of exposure or things that are beyond your control, but they really emphasize that they're a Christian agency and they are doing God's will to help build families, not go to the grocery store and pick one off the shelf. Right. Okay, so you said yes to any uh, ethnicity, any race, any uh, disabilities? Yeah, pretty much. We... um, we weren't scared off by, like, disabilities and exposures and things. I'm a nurse, and so I have a medical background. Um, Scott's just a very caring person, and so we didn't really, we didn't hesitate. I mean, we basically said, we want a baby, we want a family, and if it's a family with special needs or a baby with special needs, we're a family that could provide love for that child and medical care for that child, and so we just put it out there. We're, we want to be parents, and that was our main goal. Had you saved money? Um, a little bit. We pretty much got to that point in the fertility process where it was going to start costing, you know, thirty, forty thousand dollars for a treatment or you know procedure, or we could put that money into the adoption. So we had a little bit kind of saved up, but we also just knew God would provide, and that we had a lot of support, like from our families and our friends, and that. The agency we worked with was extremely um, forgiving in that, so they didn't ask to see, you know, bank accounts up front, are you going to be able to pay your bill? It was, we'll figure it out as it comes. They broke things down so that payments were a little bit more manageable, and we just jumped in with both feet. (laughs) So tell us, in Wisconsin, what is an average price for an adoption? It varies tremendously. I know families who have spent very little, um, less than $10,000, and I know families that have spent upwards of $60,000. So Wisconsin has a lot of restrictions on what you can spend on a birth mother. So you can only spend, I think it's $300 on maternity clothes or 3000 I don't quote me on that, 4000 There's a pretty limited amount that you can spend even on living expenses. And then it's very strict in you can pay for their groceries as long as it's going for the well-being of the baby. And you can't, you can't just give them everything. Right, right. So going into this with this particular agency, how much did you think that it was going to be? Um, we had budgeted for around fifteen to 20000 Okay. That's, that's great. I mean, every yeah. agency is different. And, you know, with our story, um, our first adoption was, hmm, I think, 11000 And then our second that we finalized on was forty five. <laughs> you know, and so it's all yeah. over the place. Um, but I would say to start the process, if you have $10,000 saved, you can start. Um, if you have the full twenty, that's great. You know, but sure. the process really, a lot of times up front, they want at least 10. Um, And it sounds like different agencies will collect the money. But if anybody's listening right now, and they're like, how much should I have saved? Or what should I expect? You know, like I said, the agencies will collect at different times. But for us, we usually had to upfront have 10,000. 
our agency didn't expect anything up front. So you sign an application and then give them a fee, and it was a real small minimal fee, just basically saying you're serious about what the work they're going to put into it. And then the big variable in Wisconsin is the lawyer fees, the attorney fees. And I think that's probably across the board. Um, you just don't know what you're going to get. <laughs> right, that's true. In Colorado, it's not a lawyer state. It's an agency state, so we don't use lawyers here. Um, and so that's a different route as well. I mean, we go to Florida to adopt. We always use lawyers, but we have to have an agency here that can hike up the price. But, okay, so you're you're in this process. You choose this agency. You've said yes to anything really um (laughs) and do you get matched right away we did actually we were matched before we were completely finished with our home study so um the agency called us and kind of back up i had an ectopic pregnancy after we had started the adoption process and so we had put things on hold like i'm pregnant and that we're going to have a baby naturally and we still want to adopt so don't like stop our home study, but we're going to just put it on hold. And then it ended up being an ectopic pregnancy, and I was really sick and kind of pretty depressed. I mean, we had finally gotten pregnant, and we had finally made a decision about adoption. Like, everything was going so great. And so I was pretty down, and I think family and friends, I just started pushing them away. Like, nobody understood. And then we got matched, and it was like we shouted it from the rooftops. Everybody knew about it. We didn't hide it from anybody. It was our very first match. We weren't even finished with our home study. Like, things seemed to be turning around. And so we were excited. We went in. <laughs> when was she due? Um, we got matched with her in August, and she was due in October. So August of 2013, and we had just started our home study in March of that year. Okay. So this happened pretty fast. And did you meet her right away? Yep. Yep. We met her in the office with the agency worker, um, and she was the nicest lady. We just fell in love with her instantly. She was super upfront and honest with us, and she said she had other children, and she said, I know this is going to be difficult for me. I know this is what's best for all of my kids, um, but this, this is what I want, and I want you guys to be involved. I want you to bond. I want you to name the baby. Um, she said all the right things. <laughs> and so you had a relationship with her, and then she goes into labor, and what happened? So it, we didn't even get that far. So we went to ultrasound with her, um, went to another doctor's appointment, I believe, and we communicated almost daily through text messages, mostly a um, couple phone calls. And about a week or two before she was going to deliver, she sent a text, and she just said, I don't know if I can do this. And, you know, my heart broke. But I also supported her in that decision because I knew she was a good mom. And she struggled and she, you know, didn't have it easy. But I knew she loved her kids and she took really good care of them. And so as much as it was a loss for us and our families, and we also just prayed for her and prayed that this was the right choice for her and that if she couldn't do it, I'm glad she told us before the baby was born. But she never really came out and said, I changed my mind. It was, I just don't know if I can do it. Okay, so you had a flag. We knew what was coming, and then she delivered, and she called us, and she said, from the hospital, the baby was born, and she said, I can't do it. I, I want to parent this child, and as much as I, and she apologized to us, um, you know, as much as I know this hurts you, and I'm sorry, I just can't do it. But if you want to come and see him, you can. And so I did. I went to the hospital, and we had bought some clothes for him, and 
um, I held him and we spent a couple hours together crying and she, you know, said how hard it was for her. And I think me being there was even harder for her. But at the end of it, she knew she got to take that baby home and that was her son. Mm-hmm. And so she let me grieve and she let me say goodbye. And Scott said I was crazy. And I, oh, my <laughs> gosh. Really like, I kind of say you're crazy, too. <laughs> I mean, that's a lot on you. It's just amazing. Your story. It really struck me when I read it and when we talked because you were able to put your own desires aside and really look at the whole picture. And in that moment of grief, that is extremely hard to do. I mean, God must have just given you the grace to go through that. And why do you think that you you felt it was important to go to the hospital? It's kind of a couple things. I felt like I needed closure and I needed to know like, I wanted to know if when I held him, if it felt like he was mine or if it felt like he was not. And it didn't. It didn't feel like he was my son. And I also, I wanted her to feel supported in that decision because I know she had taken a lot of grief from family members that she'd even considered adoption. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just wanted her to feel supported. We had become close over the last couple of months. And when you have a baby, it should be a joyous occasion, whether, you know, it's, under the best of circumstances or not, I just wanted him to feel loved and I wanted her to feel supported. And that was really important. And my own hurt and feelings, and that just wasn't important in the moment. I wish I had heard your story when I started this journey (laughs) a long time ago. I mean, really, I think it's such a great example of um, the right thing to do above your own emotions. You know, it's really hard to know what you're going to feel if a birth mom does change her mind. It's hard to know what you're going to do. And I know because I've been through so many different experiences that I handled things uh, not that way. I thought about myself and my own grief. And, you know, now it's different because I've learned so much because you know, people like you have told their stories and I've heard it. And then, you know what, that's, that's what I want to be like. I want to be so gracious and kind to her because she is the mom. I'm not the mom until the paperwork is signed, you know? Mm -hmm. And so how can I support her and how can I love her? And, you know, we had a situation like that as well. And we did love the mom and later on she got pregnant and called us. So you never know what's going to happen. And so being angry or upset those are normal feelings. Trust me, you're going to feel them. But putting yeah. those aside <laughs> and being present like you did, I mean, that had to have been such an amazing time for her. And I'm not saying I didn't cry. I cried right. every night for weeks after that. And leading up to that, I was so sad. And, um, you know, I've, I've internalized a lot of my feelings. Sometimes I would just shut down and I, I was sick to my stomach because I was just so upset. And why God, why God? you have to put that aside and there there comes a point where you just have to trust him and you have to realize he put you in this position for a reason. Mm-hmm. And that reason maybe doesn't make sense right now. And you don't want to face it. And I was angry and I was angry at him, but in that moment, I, she deserved three hours of my time and she deserved just to know that she made the right choice for her. And that's what was important. Okay. So that's a fall through. Now what? We almost, instantly got a call um i'm trying to put them all in order um the next one we got a call um a real young teenager had chosen adoption and she had seen our profile and picked us with the agency she had met with the agency a time or two with her mom they felt this was what they were going to do called us up set up a time to meet as we were walking out the door our agency worker called us and said don't bother she's changed her mind 
So we never met her, but we still had prayed for her and invested in the child. And people tell us all the time that it wasn't your child and you shouldn't be sad and you didn't need her. At least you didn't need her. And and that's true, you know, but it didn't make it hurt any less. Yes. And it was still really hard. <laughs> yes, I totally agree with that. You know, we have had that too, where we've lost a match. And though we did not meet the child, it was still really painful and really difficult. And we had to grieve that loss. And, and you can't understand it unless you're going through it. Um, but if you're standing on the outside and maybe you know someone who has gone through a loss of a match, supporting them as though they have lost, even miscarried, and walking them through that can be so helpful to them. By saying yeah. things like, oh, well, don't worry, you didn't meet the baby, or at least you didn't you know, spend any money. or I mean, none of those things are helpful because you're still empty. The point is yep. you're still empty. You're still not a parent or you still didn't bring that second child home or third child home. And so you're still in the process of what you and I talk about as kind of being pregnant, right? People yep. are pregnant yep. and waiting for their baby for nine months, but in adoption, sometimes you're pregnant for like <laughs> 17 months. And although yeah. you're not physically feeling that, um, you know, in your body, you are feeling it through stress and through emotions and through prayer. And it's a heavy weight at times to carry. And so you know, it's one is not easier than the other, I don't think, in my opinion. No. But so you're still kind of pregnant in this in this time and you're waiting. Yep. So did you get matched again? Um, we had two more matches after that. Um, another real short, we had met the mom but didn't go very far. Um, so just again the emotional turmoil. And then we had a match, um, this is kind of out of order, but in the middle of all that, we had a match for about six and a half months and during that time. Um, she was matched real early and she demanded that she wanted to be, um, you know, kind of brought with a family and she wanted them to be on board. And we took her to every single doctor's appointment. We went to, you know, Scott and I got to stand in the room and hear the heartbeat for the first time, which is a memory we'll never forget because that's the only heartbeat we've ever heard. You know, we, wow. thought, we thought that was our child. And, and so we got to know her family, her extended family, her, um, she had two children at the time. We bought her all of her groceries during that time. We pretty much maxed out what we could spend. We bought her maternity clothes, bought her a refrigerator. Um, wow. So we, we were very, very invested in this. And there was, throughout the process, so many red flags. And the agency would tell us, you know, like, we're concerned that she's changing her mind or, you know, just really kind of scale back and try to keep yourself guarded. But she kept saying all the right things. And so... We just kept moving forward, and it was hard. And I think that was during that match was when we both really um, sat down and said, "Why? Like, why are we the ones that were brought here to care for her during this time? And why are we the ones that are going through this emotion?" I mean, literally every single day she would call us, and one day she would be angry with us and you know, yell at us and the next day she would love us and you know support us and we drove numerous times the two hours to see her just to take her to the grocery store or um, one day she, the pregnancy pains were so intense and she was so upset about being pregnant and she wished she had aborted the baby and and so we rushed to her side and we took her to the mall and just like just to walk around and entertain her other kids for her and take some of that stress off her and we lost touch with her about two weeks before her due date and about two weeks after her due date her mom reached out to us and said the baby had been born she was healthy um and that turns out she didn't ever intend to place with us oh my goodness 
That is a huge financial loss as well. That was a kick to the gut. That was really when we we had to think, is this really our plan? Like, if we're just meant to support these women in their pregnancies, let's do that. Let's just financially or emotionally support the pregnancy, but not have the hope of the baby at the end. Like, let's find a, you know, a nonprofit organization or someplace we can help without having to go through all of this. And we told our agency we didn't know if we could move forward. And we asked only to be matched, you know, at the end. (laughs) Um, And we said we couldn't do it anymore. And I felt bad for our agency worker who went through that with us. And there was nothing she could do. And she was so supportive of us and of the mom through that whole process. And, And she kind of felt the loss of us. And we could see her get deflated. And that was hard. I mean, this is somebody who this is her job. And... She believes in this, and she has seen it happen successfully, and then she had to go through what we went through right alongside with us, and that was, it was humbling. It was a very humbling experience. Stay tuned as we talk more to Jessica and find out the rest of her story. You're listening to Adoption Now. We'll be right back. This is KLTT Commerce City, Denver, broadcasting in HD digital radio and online at 670KLTT.com. Hi, this is Noah, April's husband, and I want to thank you for listening to this story on today's program. Do you have an adoption story? April and I have been through our own adoption journey, and I'd like to encourage you to contact us about sharing your story. You can do that by going to our website, adoption-now.com, and clicking on the Tell Your Story tab. Let's join together and inspire others. And now let's rejoin April and the rest of today's story. Faith and Family Radio, KLT Denver. Welcome back to Adoption Now. I'm your host, April Fallon. Today we have been talking to Jessica. She's telling her story about her and her husband, Scott. And they have gone through a lot to become parents, um, infertility treatments and miscarriages, and they've been matched a few times and it's fallen through. And one time they had just invested so much into the birth mother financially, buying her a refrigerator, um, really became her therapist through the whole thing and counseling her through and taking a lot of emotional um, and verbal abuse during this time. And... Um, now they're at a place where they're like, maybe, maybe adoption's not it. Maybe we're not meant to be parents. And so now what, Jessica? And then what we had been waiting for happened. We got the call. Um, we had actually decided we were going to switch agencies and go to a state that was easier to adopt from, you know, quote unquote, easier. And we had asked for our home city to be transferred, and they they said they would do that. But she just kept dra- our agency just kept dragging her feet and dragging her feet, and finally she just said, "It's because you have a match, but you don't want to know about it, so I can't tell you." Wow! And so it was it was great. It was happy a happy ending. Um, she was waiting because the birth mom had had zero prenatal care, and so she had an appointment scheduled for an ultrasound. Um, we, she finally told us about it on a Monday um, before Thanksgiving, and that Wednesday she was going to her ultrasound, and so. We hadn't met her. We didn't know anything about her. We just knew she didn't have any prenatal care and that she thought she was probably due in the next month or so. And we were with our agency worker on Wednesday, and she called. The mom called and said, 
it's a boy, and I'm due in two weeks. Or December 16th was her due date. And so we were so excited, and we were... We felt like it was maybe this was the one, but at the same time, we stayed real guarded. And so we went into Thanksgiving weekend and didn't say a whole lot, and, you know, to our family and friends and really saw all of our nieces and nephews and cousins and all these babies in our lives. And we just, you know, ached for this to be the one. We were at work on Monday and we got a call and they said, um, she's going to have a C-section tomorrow. Can you come meet her quick before she goes to the hospital? And so we left work early and packed up and drove the hour and a half down to meet her. Um, we met Ty's birth mom and his, um, her mom and her stepdad. It was like we had known each other our whole lives. I mean, it was definitely, definitely meant to be. And we knew in that moment of just meeting her that this was where we were supposed to be. And this was, this was it. And so the next day she went into um, her C-section and we were at the hospital um, we met her dad and um, spent some time in the hospital just getting to know our family. And then she took a couple hours after the C-section to meet Ty and to spend some time with him. And then we got to meet him for the first time three hours after he was born and held him and we stayed in the hospital. And it was amazing. We have the best open adoption with um, Tyler's birth family. And they are amazing. They are his third set of grandparents and we see them as often as we can we live about two hours away so it's not as much as we'd like but we talk frequently and send pictures and it was worth it and that's that's the thing to take away from all of this is it's worth it and it's hard but it's worth it and we knew Ty wasn't going to be an only child we just didn't know how we were going to go through it all over again did you get to name him yes Yes, she put our, for, you know, the name we had picked on the birth certificate as well as our last name, and then we let her pick the middle name, which was perfect. So Tyler James was a joint naming, and I love that he has a piece of their family in his name. That is amazing. Yeah, I, I do think that that's a great gift. And for those of you who haven't done infant adoption and you're listening, um, when the baby's born, the mother, the birth mother can choose whatever name she wants and put whatever name on the birth certificate that she wants. Mm-hmm. We were instructed that is that is not a big deal. Don't fight about that. Just let it go because in a couple months, you can choose whatever name you want. Um, yeah. But the fact that she put your last name right away, that's such a gift. Yeah, and Tyler, Tyler knows her, and it's so fun when we get together, even when he was I think she saw him outside of the hospital um, for the first time. He was about six or seven weeks, and she held him. And it was just, he calmed instantly. And now um, Tyler has some sensory issues, and some things are working with him. But he sees her, and he just, it's like he knows. He knows that there's some sort of bond there. He'll take her and run her around the house and show her all his toys, and he loves to see them. Um, it's just, it's incredible, the bond that they have. And I'm so, so happy that he's allowed to do that and have that opportunity. I'm so glad that relationship worked out. You know, it's such a yeah. wonderful thing when you can have open adoption and it's healthy. And you see all these people loving your child just as much as you yeah. do. I mean, it's just the greatest thing. It doesn't always happen like that. And I really emphasize that in the show because I don't want anybody to feel bad if it if it can't be. You know, if you've tried and, and right. you just can't have an open adoption, it sounds like the one that fell through the refrigerator 
birth mom, that one might have been really difficult to have an open adoption. You know, it sounds like she was, um, you know, back and forth with how she felt about you and all of these different things. And that emotional roller coaster, oftentimes you just can't, you can't do it long term. But this sounds great. And so now you want to have another adoption? Yeah, I mean, we weren't quite (laughs) sure. So we waited about a year, and then our home study had to be renewed. And so our agency worker came out this summer, and we in the process, or not, you know, the time that Ty was born, we had moved back closer to be closer to family. And so um, she had to come see our new house and update that, and then we were going to renew it for another two years, just while we sat and thought about it. And she came to see us, and she, you know, talked to us a little bit, like, what are your plans? And we kind of gave her a vague answer, like, yeah, we want Ty to be a big brother, but we're not really sure when, you know, if something could come along, keep us in mind, sort of thing. And so she called us a month later, I think, and said we had been picked by a birth mom, but she wasn't sure really if we wanted to accept it. Um, the birth mom was due in a few months and wanted an open adoption, wanted to meet, or wanted a closed adoption, but wanted to meet us one time and then kind of go from there. And so we said, sure, we, you know, it was interesting too, because when she called us, we were kind of like, okay, that's fine. And it wasn't that excitement or that nervousness that we had had, you know, the previous five phone calls from her. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we accepted it and we were matched and it was tough because we saw a lot of the same things we had already gone through. And so we went to doctor's appointments. We paid for a lot of things. And she ended up changing her mind, sort of, when she gave birth and was really going back and forth. And so it it kind of wrecked us. It made us not want to put Tyler through that, mm-hmm. you know, talking about a baby coming home and right. trying to. And it's different when you have a baby because you think about him. And right. I don't want him to be an only child, but I don't want him to go through this hurt or see us hurting. Mm-hmm. And I would cry behind closed doors because I didn't want him to see it. And So when it all fell apart, it was a huge financial loss for us as well as emotional. And it kind of I don't want to say it ruined us for adoption, but it changed our view on it. And it changed our view on how things work. And, you know, now we were thinking for three instead of two, and that that changed it. And so we looked at other options. And if we really want Ty to be a big brother, how can we make that happen without the hurt? Um, And so we, um, through some close friends of ours who also have adopted, learned about embryo adoption. And we researched and we went online and our friend who had traveled overseas to do embryo adoption and ended up, um, unfortunately, it wasn't successful. And so she was going through it again for the second time, right about the time that we were thinking, maybe this is what we're going to do. Maybe this is what God's calling us to do. And and so she held my hand and she taught me <laughs> so much about embryo adoption. And so that's what we were going to do. We... Um, found an agency in the Czech Republic that um, it was much less expensive to go do, to travel to the Czech Republic, have the procedure done, and to come home would have been about a quarter of the price to have it done in the States. 
This is my favorite part of your story, and you know that. I mean, when we were talking and you said this, I'm like, no way, because we did a show on embryo adoption, and that was an introductory for me. I didn't know much about it. I didn't realize that so many embryos were frozen and waiting Mm -hmm. to become children. I did not realize that the only option was to either give them to science or um, really abort them. And so it's a big issue for Christians because if we believe that Uh, life begins at conception, then Mm -hmm. essentially we have all of these babies frozen. And so can we find anybody to carry them and raise them? And so there's this program where you donate embryos and a mother can go in and get them implanted and carry the baby and that baby becomes their child, the family's child. And so, um, you know, I've been researching it like crazy. I mean, (laughs) and you can carry different ethnicities, which is amazing as well. I mean, to think that a Caucasian woman could carry a full African-American child um, is, and you and I had talked about that on our pre-interview, but what an amazing thing to think that, you know, your body could do this and you wouldn't have to go through that emotional time in the hospital wondering, is the paperwork going to be signed? Do you know what I mean? And so it's just this whole thing that I've been really excited about. And so when you said that you had researched it, when you said that you were going to go to the Czech um, Republic and that that was an option, and then you said the funniest thing in our pre-interview, you said um, that you told somebody, you got a call and you're going to tell about it in a second, but you got a call and you said, um, I'm leaving to go and get pregnant. <laughs> I mean, that's my favorite plan. thing. Tell, tell the story. It's so, it's so great. Well, I had, um, so we were going to do this. I had gotten the medication lined up. I was actually transferring jobs to be closer to home so that I would be easier for pregnancy and to get all this prenatal care. And, and so I had lined it up with my new job that I hadn't even started yet, that I was going to be gone these certain days. Um, we were ready. We were going to do this. And then um, our agency called us and they said, we have a, a situation we want to talk to you about. And, and I said, but I'm going to go get pregnant now. Like, like, I, I'm leaving to go get to, pregnant. I'm leaving. I'm leaving to go get pregnant in, you know, three, five weeks. And that's just what's going to happen. But it's not because God had different plans. <laughs> so what happened? You canceled your trip? Well, we um, learned about a little boy who was eight weeks old, and um, he was with a family. They had an adoption plan, and everything was set, and then the biological father decided um, that he wasn't on board with the plan. And so the family that had been loving on him and caring for him had the impossible decision, do we fight for a child, or do we um, kind of just give up. And so they, I'm sure they prayed about it. I have never spoken to them, but I, I'm sure it wasn't easy, um, especially once we've met him. But they gave the baby back, essentially, to the agency. And the agency then called us and said, here's the situation. We don't know what's going to happen. We, you know, the adopter, the biological mom has never changed her mind. She's never wavered in her decision. She really wants an adoption plan. She doesn't want the child to go into the system. Um, It's very important to her that this baby is adopted, but we don't have a family that's going to fight for her. Um, You know, the the biological mom, if that's her plan, that's her wishes, she still needs to have that second party on board with her. And if she doesn't, then the baby's kind of left in limbo. And so she 
wasn't going to parent the child, but he also didn't want to, you know, willingly give up, quote, unquote, give up a child. And so the biological mom needed somebody that could financially support the fight, um, you know, in the court systems. And so we called over to the agency that had the embryo for us and just said, this is a baby that's here, that's now, that's breathing, that's alive, and she needs us to fight for him first. And so we just said, can you hold on to that embryo for us? We'll be back for it later. Oh, my goodness. I just want to reiterate what you just said. So another family brought this child home, had this baby for eight weeks, found out the Mm -hmm. dad was going to fight and chose to not go through that with them, whether it was for financial reasons or whatever their decision was. And so the agency got a call and there's this baby that had been placed and now you're going to get this baby. And one thing that I, I love about the way you tell the story is that family, who knows what had happened to them to make them make that decision. And oftentimes when a child is transferred in the middle of an adoption, we can so easily say, oh, well, that's crazy. Why would they have a baby and then, you know, give the baby back up? And why didn't they go through that? But you don't, we don't know. We don't know that story. And so having empathy towards them and then just saying, but look what we got. I mean, they couldn't go through this, but we got the child is such a healthier approach for everyone. There have been stories where we say, uh, blame the family who can't keep the child, or um, there's been shame. And and mm-hmm. even the way that you talk to the child is like, yeah, well, they, they didn't want you, but we got you. Trust me, it's happening. And it's not healthy oh. for the child because the child feels like, oh, well, there's still rejection involved. You know, and yes, every child has to go through that to some degree, but to say they loved you and we loved you, but we were your parents. And they had to have loved him. Mm -hmm. And there's no way you can't love a baby like him. I mean, he's so wonderful. And and my heart hurts for them and that decision. And I know it couldn't have been easy. And I know that what they chose was what was best for them and what was best for for the baby. I mean, essentially they felt they couldn't bond with him or they felt they couldn't fight for him. And that's, that wasn't what was best for the baby. And they made that sacrifice and that I almost feel guilty, you know, for, I, I get to love on this baby and he will, you know, fingers crossed and all the prayers in the world will hopefully grow up to call me mom. And they gave, they gave me that. And so as much as I'm, you know, in debt for his birth mom, I'm in debt to them. And and I thank them for making that selfless decision to to allow us to be his parents. How old is Ty now? Ty, um, when we brought the baby home, was a month shy of two. So they're about 21 months apart. Okay. And how old is the baby now? The baby is five months this week. So he's huge. Ty was a tiny, tiny baby, and this baby is huge. And it's so funny because he was a tiny baby. And so the the other family had the undaunting task of waking at all hours to make sure he was feeding around the clock and gaining weight. And and now we have this roly-poly, chubby, adorable, adorable baby. But he's not finalized. No. We are in the process of TPR hearings. So in Wisconsin, you have 30 days, and then you go to TPR, and um both parents need to, biological parents need to sign away their rights. And if you choose not to do that, if you 
um, choose to contest the adoption, you have those same 30 days to contest. And so the biological father did so a little bit late, but um, he did so. And so the judge just said, um, let's make this official. Let's hear both sides of the story. And instead of involuntarily terminating his rights and then going to an appeal and dragging it out for years um, of of uncertainty for the baby, let's just take it to trial. Let's put both stories in front of each other and let's talk it out. And so um, it's hard. And, you know, because of that decision, we do not have a TPR. The baby is still um, waiting, you know, through all of that. But we're also thankful that the dad does get his chance um, to kind of plea his case. And, and I hope that, you know, whatever does happen, that there's peace involved. I think that it's difficult. You don't, you don't want to have any anger or, you know, hurt feelings towards either parent, and it's costing us an extremely large amount of money. But at the same time, you know, 10, 15 years down the road when the baby starts, he's growing and he starts asking questions, I don't want it, I don't want to feel anger towards his biological dad for putting us through this. Mm-hmm. I think he has a right to have his voice heard. He's incarcerated? He is. So what if he won? Then where does the baby go? There's some options. Um, if he wins, if he does not get his rights terminated, then the baby could we have, could stay with us. We could get guardianship of the baby um, as long as the biological mom would do so. So we could raise him as our own until the dad is out of um, incarceration, and then he would prove that he could take care of him, and then he would, you know, eventually, as a teenager, go back to live with his biological father. Um, if we chose not to do that, he would go into the foster system. Every state is different. I do want to say that, um, you yes. know, Wisconsin is different from our experience. We go to Florida, and in Florida, the birth mother has 48 hours to sign, and fa- and the birth father, too. And in fact, in Florida, the birth father can sign his rights before the baby's born. And after that 48 hours to the 30-day TPR, which is termination of rights, they can contest it, but they have to prove that they were under duress or it was fraud. So basically, after 48 hours, it's done. Because nobody can really prove that, because if all the lawyers are doing their job, they have told them, you know, what's happening and what's going on. And then 30 days after termination of rights, then you have in Florida 60 days to kind of just say the baby's doing great. These are my post-placement, you know, updates. And then you finalize. Is it like that in Wisconsin where after they sign rights, they would have to prove a lot um, before they would get the baby back? Or, I mean, what are the steps to get that child back? So had he um, willingly or unwillingly, as he claimed, would have claimed, um, signed anything prior to the trial, he would have, it would have been a lot more difficult for him. In Wisconsin, they have 30 days, though. They, so the 48 hours that you talk about in Florida, that's 30 days in Wisconsin. They can sign something between that time, but it doesn't actually become official. So they could sign it and then change their mind the next day and then sign it and change their mind. So within that 30 days, nothing's official. So it always okay. is a little bit more reassuring, but not official. Right. And so um, that 30 days for us has been stretched out now five months. And we are hoping for trial maybe mid-March, April time period. So we'll probably be, you know, the baby will be a half a year old before he is even eligible for adoption. And then we have to be, he has to be in our home for six months. 
So in this case, we may hit TPR and finalization pretty close together. Um, But if, like, TPR were to happen this week, we would still have to wait the full six months of him being with us before we could finalize his adoption. Well, we are going to be praying for you, Jessica and Scott. Thank you. That your family would be complete and that God's will would be done. Thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your story. Thank you so much, and I hope that it just helps one person make it all worth it. Absolutely. Don't forget to like Adoption Now on Facebook, and remember all of our podcasts are available on iTunes. Thanks for tuning in to Adoption Now. I'm your host, April Fallon. See you next week. Thanks for joining us for today's Adoption Now. If you would like to tell your story or for more information about Adoption Now, visit the website at adoption-now.com or find it on Facebook. And join us next week at the same time as we share another adoption story on 670 AM KLTT.